Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Will T. Sorry, myself, Bole, Will T. And my homie, Ray Jeezy. I can't get things right, fellas. What's going on? Nothing much, man. Everything is copacetic on my side. I'm very excited. <laughs> J- why so excited? Why, why, why are you very excited? Well, J. Cole, J. Cole just announced that his new album is coming out May 14th. So I'm excited about that. I've never been like into J. Cole. Life Scam Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, though. I, I'm excited because uh, a few months ago on this show, I told the people the urban sports team were offering vaccinations. Not not Moderna and Pfizer. I'm talking about either you can get a Chase Young vaccine or a Westbrook vaccine. Oh, and nobody wants to go. listen back then. Nobody wants to listen. But now now everybody is in line for that Russell Westbrook vaccination, baby, because he's hooping. I told you it was coming, Wally. I told you. Look, you know what? Now you see. I knew I was waiting for this, dog. You know what I mean? You've been real humble. I was waiting for this because he's been balling. Like, hands down, he's been balling. So I got to <laughs> get credit when credit is due. Like, he, to me, arguably, and we'll talk about it later on on the show, but arguably he's been one of the best players in the league. Forget on his own squad, but in the league the way he's hooping. So, yeah, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I ain't going short. I'm not going to shortchange Russ. I'm not going to do Brody like that. You know what I'm saying? Are you happy, with, good. Are you happy, you happy with that? Is that cool? No, 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 no. I don't advice? feel. I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel vindicated or anything like that. I, I, what I'm saying is, I just. I just remain consistent. I stuck. I stuck by my support of the trade, and I stuck by my support of Westbrook, who's shown for years he's a Hall of Famer. Come on, man. Definitely, man. I mean, Scott and Mello, and my man Mello's a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah. Well, we both vibe on that one. Oh yeah, you know it. So we, we we'll get there though, brother. We'll, we'll get there. Thank you. Hey, Sorry. <laughs> no problem, man. And the Urban Sports thing is part of Amp Papyrus Media. Uh, Amp Papyrus Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows such as the John Conn Report hosted by ESPN Washington football team insider John Conn and Jones Football hosted by USA Today's uh, Today insider Mike Jones. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, search the Urban Sports Scene. Uh, the show uh, can be found on po- uh, Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of course, of the DMV region, uh, download download the podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as other great content. Uh, and don't forget to uh, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene Sports Blog Sports Podcasters, Sports Blog uh, Sports Bloggers, and Sports Debates. Uh, Will T. Let's get into our tradition of pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about who the Washington football team drafted during the NFL draft. Adam Aniba from the Burgundy and Gold Report will join us to, to recap the draft. At 825, we'll debate whether the Washington Wizards could be the scariest team in the East if they make the postseason. Finally, we'll, t- we'll talk about Andy, Ru- Andy Ruiz defeating Chris Ariola Saturday night. And, and we'll preview the Canelo Alvarez-Billy Joe Saunders fight, which goes down Saturday, this Saturday, excuse me. Uh, boxing expert Johnny Signorella will be on the show to talk about both fights. 
Uh, but first, right now we have Adam Aniba from the Burgundy and Go Report on the line. What's good, Adam? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Pleasure. Thank you for being on, my man. Will, this is your Adam, time. that's where you're supposed to make your oh, pick. You're supposed to Will be geeking around. I'm no, we need, the, we need no. the intro, you know, the WWE intro. Do we not cue the music? My bad, brother. Oh, my bad, my bad. Man. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> we need the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, out here. Woo! Woo! Let's go. <laughs> we got we got Adam on. Man, Adam is hot right now. He's everywhere. Oh bro. man. Oh, trying, 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 guys. My bad, my bad, Adam. I had I had the phone on um, mute temporarily. I had to call. Uh, no problem. You muted me, bro. No That's problem. What you're doing? Right. You muted me now. <laughs> I didn't. Don't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't want me. To, you didn't want me to cough into. You didn't okay. want. You didn't. Respect. I don't think our our listeners wanted to hear me cough. Yeah, respect. So my apologies. Respect. respect. All right. All right, Adam. Okay, let's do Let's bring, yeah, sure, let's sure. to why we brought you on the show. All right. With the 19th sure. pick, the Washington football team selected Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky. Can you tell our listeners about him? You know, how will he fit into Ron Rivera and Ron Rivera's defense? Yeah, I would say out of anybody in this draft, it was probably the top scheme fit. So at 19, you get probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, high impact players on the board and you get a position of need. Coming out, a lot of um, analysts talking about a weak side linebacker, but if you take a look at the Kentucky tape, um, everyone's talked about he's a one-hit wonder. Did, I lose anybody? Did we lose anybody? He had one Rivera system with a front line that's already established. You know, it's the rich get richer. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear Hello? You now. Now I can hear you now. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. I couldn't hear you. Oh, okay. yeah, we need your phone. We need your phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That was just rolling. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, Jamin Davis, so there's going to be a lot of expectum in year one. So I don't think that he's going to lock down that middle linebacker, Mike, right away. I think you could probably have a combination of him, Bostic, and, you know, I still think we'll see some additions in free agency. But to start the draft, you know, with him at, uh, you know, pick 19 to me, I just thought that was great value because if anyone, you know, probably last time we talked, I was on the Zayvon Collins train, mm-hmm. and I still am really glad to see where I ended up. But as I said to everyone, you know, they, people were talking about he gained weight. He was out of shape. And mm-hmm. I reached out to people at Tulsa right away. And they're like, no, he, he's going outside linebacker edge. So he's going to go, you know, top 20 take. And I was like, okay. So I stuck with him, but I took him off the board for Washington. So to me, um, Davis, um, and the other safeties that I were actually surprised that dropped in the second round, Trayvon Morig and, you know, we mm-hmm. saw, and, uh, what's it called? Richie Grant goes to the Falcons. So I was happy to see Davis. So that was great value for the first round. Okay, um, Adam, you said it was great value for Washington um, with Jamin Davis at number 19. Um, how does he, you know, um, when you look at, when you saw him play on tape, does he compare uh, from a skill standpoint and a physicality standpoint to a, a player kind of like a Thomas Davis, what he did with, with Ron Rivera in Carolina? No, Is his play not, similar not. to that? Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I was so glad he said it because when I evaluated him, I actually got him on late in the process, not just because I caught up with the pro days. It's just because there's a lot of guys to go through. So, you know, Jabril Cox and him were two linebackers I got to pretty late in the process. But the more and more I got through, I saw Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard was one of the first guys I got into when I got into small school HBCU prospects. And I saw, I see the mirror in games. The only thing about um, with um, Davis 
is we're talking about a guy that's better in coverage. Um, Leonard was a better all-around linebacker. So what you have is, you know, two guys that are, to me, NFL-ready. But the thing with Davis is he has the luxury, unlike uh, Leonard did with the Colts, is he has a dominant front. So his deficiencies um, game in the short area will be able to be masked. So you're going to basically have him out there to cover tight ends, to cover the flats. The deficiencies mm. that Washington had, that's why you're bringing him in. And that's why I don't think they're done. I think you're going to see somebody else. If we're talking, everyone's talking about Landon Collins going into that role. I, again, Killy's injury, I, I think we have to you know, temper our expectations for that. So I think in free agency, we could see another ad or two. But as we saw in the undrafted free agent market, they signed one guy, my guy, and I was happy about that with Jared Patterson. <laughs> but I think they've been, they're going to be pretty quiet from now on from what I'm hearing. So it's going to be about the you know, NFL free agents, probably not too many uh, college free agents. Adam, you hit on every point about Jamin Davis. I still need to just say this, though. The Mason Foster, Will Compton era is over. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, somebody God. who For can sure. sideline to sideline, who can cover a back on the backfield. That is so dope. But, brother, moving on to the second round, they selected Samuel Cosme, six foot seven. He's awesome in a run and screen game. What do you think he brings to this team? What did you think of the pick? Um, it To me, honestly, if you just were looking at the board, it was a reach at the time because – I understood why they did it because the, the run on tackles was always going to happen at that time. So I understand why they did it. I had him more towards that, you know, early third round, but being able to bring him in and let him compete with Lucas and who we have, I don't think he's your plug and play left tackle from here on out. And I've seen others say it, but I do agree with it. The way Morgan Moses came out, I see the similarities with their waist bending issues. They're not knee benders. So that's always a concern when you have a blind side, you know, left tackle. So I wouldn't say he's a plug-and-play guy, but I think that there's no question he's a tackle. So at least we're not saying is he going to be moved inside because I think right now Washington has a bunch of guys that are moving inside or guards, and we need more tackles. Mm -hmm. So I think he feels definitely an immediate need. And at 51, you know, the funny thing is everything I've read was he dropped because of concerns of his dedication, and that was because he took, I think it was the last three games off, he opted out. But after seeing everything and hearing his story, listen, if, you're go if your whole purpose is to make the NFL, that's your dream, mm. and you're going through the college season and being realistic, I guess, seeing where your school is, he made a career move, and I, I see no way to you know take him out of the equation as far as a grinder because if he's doing that, he's just always playing for that next contract. So to me, solid pick second round, you know, maybe you know, midseason or later, well, we'll definitely see him in the fold. So, so is the talk of Sadiq Charles, he's, is he definitely a guard? Because at first they liked him at tackle, now – people are saying that he's going to be a guard because he started one game at guard before he got hurt. I, I think swing tackle guard is definitely, you know, a good option for him. You know, we have not heard anything on Christensen. It's been radio silent. So mm -hmm. either two things, he's going to come out, he's going to really blow everyone away at training camp, mm -hmm. or he's just going to be what he is. And, and in that case, I think Sadiq Charles probably has a better chance to maybe be a swing tackle and get some, you know, uh, you know, some snaps there. But for the most part, I think he goes inside. Okay. You're listening to the Urban Sports Team right now. We're chatting with Adam Aniba from the Burgundy and Go Report. So I'm going to go to the fourth round. Washington chose wide receiver North from North Carolina. Uh, Di Di what's it? How do you say his name? Diamond? Diamond? Diamond Brown. Diamond yeah. Brown. Excuse me. Diamond Brown. Uh, could he uh, be a starting outside wide receiver for the uh, Washington football team? Definitely. He's my favorite pick of the draft for Washington. Um, I love Jamie Davis, but uh, I had I had Brown as a second round guy. I had him in a group of wide receivers that I wanted Washington to walk away with. 
Uh, we saw Jalen Darden was my other guy. He went to Tampa Bay. Um, Eskridge, um, I think he went to Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and now we have Damon Brown. So I was ecstatic because what this guy does is he's a big play threat. And everyone's just looking at his numbers at, you know, the last two years, you're talking about over 2,000 yards, over mm-hmm. two touch, uh, over 20 touchdowns. Um, but what he does is he's going to be able to stretch. It was crazy as you're talking about, he brings four, four speed. Mm-hmm. So he's actually one of the slower guys compared to Samuel and McLaurin. Mm-hmm. So now it's one of those things where the rich get richer. And to me, that's a steal because I would have liked to see somebody with some uh, special teams ability in that spot but instead Washington got a starter that's mm-hmm. what's crazy about it because in that position you want a guy that can maybe play the slot which is a lot of guys I was looking at you know or offer special teams but this guy's the total package I think he's the first receiver since 2000 to have back-to-back uh, thousand yard season to t- total 20 touchdowns so he's just a guy that's going under the radar and not being talked about my favorite pick of the definitely the best value pick of the draft for Washington so, so would, so would you look at him as a guy to automatically, just from what your, your mindset is, like you're, you, you have him slated outside and, and, and Samuels will be, will be put in the slot? No, no, yeah. no. He's, the thing about it, North Carolina, they really just limited his route tree and a lot, it was a lot of go routes, but the thing is a lot of stuff inside and Washington, we saw, they like to do that. He has no fear of the middle, you know, a little bit close to a 6'1", 200 plus, he has no fear. Uh, but the thing is, I think you work them in because, you know, Sims, the other guys that they have, Cam Sims, I, I should okay, clarify, because I, I think Steven say, Sims, yeah, I, I think Steven Sims is out, is, out, is out of the, Steven Sims is out of the picture. Everyone's still talking about him. I, I don't know why, because I think, you know, he's pretty much phased out. So you have all those guys really vying for snaps. So I think look for Brown to slowly get in that mix. But by the time they see what he can do, he's a deep threat. He's going to stretch the field. So yeah, he'll, he'll be one of the top three guys. You know, it's probably by the time we get to midseason with them. Adam, I'm not trying to be Captain Obvious, brother, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to stay in line with the brothers in terms of when we ask the questions. And you already mentioned that Sam Cosme might have been a reach. Who else were some reaches? We got John Bates, of course. We got (laughs) Cameron Cheeseman, a long snapper that was drafted by the Washington football team, which has kind of been a butt of jokes. But let's hear your analysis on it, brother. I appreciate what you bring to the table. Yeah, Bates, you know, what's, what's crazy is he's not one that I spent much time in because, uh, to be honest with you, even though they have Logan Thomas, he's not the true flex tight end. He's a, he's a big tight end, but he can do a lot of things in receiving games. So I thought a guy like Brevin Jordan, who just happened to be available, and, you know, we were all waiting to see, you know, what's the problem? Is there a medical issue? Is there something? Because we saw that with JOK. We saw that with a couple other prospects. So, you know, what was the medical issue? But he just slipped because what Rivera actually came out and said later is to me makes sense is when they lined up their tight ends on the field, they were, you know, it was just a giveaway, I guess, because they feel that who the, the guys that they had in their unit were obvious receiving tight ends or blocking. So I think in Bates, he's a guy that I'm right now I'm two games in. So I feel like I got to get five games in before I can really give you definitive answer. But what I love about him is, he just wasn't using the receiving game, but anytime the ball was put near him, that guy's long arms, 80 plus inch arms, he can make the play. So I think he's a sneaky guy that you can get in the red zone. You know, we could see him year one, 200 yards, two touchdowns just off the get, but he's, don't, no mistaken, he's opening up blocking lanes. But again, fourth round's a little too rich, and I think he might have been, you know, available a little later, but he was a priority. Probably could have been an undrafted agent. Oh, <laughs> no, that's all cool, I want to say. That's all I want to say. <laughs> uh, you crazy. Yo, 
I, I was I was okay with Cosme. What I was not okay with necessarily, and again, this is just me observing what the Washington football team juiced third yeah. round. I felt like they reached on that one. What do you think? What's crazy is I thought so too, but I've just been reaching out to anybody that knows, you know, in that area, that the, the division that they play in. Because, you know, he went to Michigan first, yeah. graduated there, you know, didn't have really crazy numbers. You, mm, you know, you're talking nope. about nothing came off the charts. I think uh, 2019-20. Uh, 47 games, Minnesota, 59 tackles, one pass defended, uh, tackle for a loss, whatever. It, it, it's really nothing special. So what it is is these attributes, this 4 3 9, 40, 36 inch vertical, 6 3, broad jump, 10 3, uh, shuttle, 3.96. A man that size is not really supposed to run those type of numbers just the way he's built. So what I'm hearing is the option to have him at free safety and cornerback is real. At the senior bowl, Nagy, and staff had him moving back and forth. And from what I understand, that's what the reason they took him. I had other cornerbacks, a lot of guys, way ahead of him on the board. From what I understand, mm. the fact that he can play both positions, and I think now you have Fuller that can play both positions, I think that's what they're going to do. Um, I think when you brought in uh, WJ the third, you now you bring in a press corner. So you have a, a team that predominantly plays in that cover zone. Now you can mix in press. So when you bring all these guys in, you can do bail coverage. You know, you can you can do a lot of things in the line that are going to confuse the quarterback. And when you have a line like Washington, it's not about the marquee players that they're going to have out there. It's about the fit and exactly what they need. And that's why I think if you look at the smart analysts out there, they're giving the grades anywhere between a B plus to an A because from top to bottom, they might not be a lot of sexy picks, but damn, they hit a lot of needs, and those guys are going to see time right away. Pretty much almost all of these picks, until we'll get to the back end of them, I think are going to see contributions in year one. Adam, you said that Brown, um, the wide receiver out of North Carolina, drafted in the fourth round, was kind of the guy that you thought would be um, a surprise, you know, a, a, a day, a possibly day one contributor for Washington. Do you see anyone right. else in this draft that, like the next Cam Curl, you know, a surprise, a guy who was a surprise that no, that we really aren't paying attention. It could be uh, uh, also a starter. Well, well, you know, Derek Forrest, the fifth rounder from Cincinnati, he's gaining steam. You know, six foot two hundred, strong yeah. guy, forty one bench reps, <clears throat> four three eight forty. So, this is a guy that jumped back between free safety and strong safety. He's he's one of those overachievers. You know, he's not great at either position, but I think if we're going to look for anyone right now, uh, you know, we've seen DeShays or Everett. I really wonder. He's hit that ceiling. I wonder how much more we're going to see from him. I think he's safe this year, but I think Forrest is probably a pick for 2022. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with safety because I really thought we would see, and that's what we're saying, when we got into that John Bates, there were safeties on the board. So I, I think they have an obvious plan, and I don't think it's counting on Collins, and I don't think it's making sure that Curl plays free safety. I think they have some plan in place, um, but I think they're planning for the future when they made the move with Forrest in the fifth round, but They've talked about Boston and free agency, all the, you know, Carolina connections, but I'll be curious if they pass on free safety and free agency, that'll be a tell that they have an obvious plan. So I'll be a little, you know, cliche, but Ron, I trust right now because what they've done with the defense with JDR, it's exactly what I would have done. You know, that's the one thing I was not right on 99% of the players, but as far as positions at at rounds and picks, I I was close as I've ever been. So that makes me happy as an evaluator. Mm -hmm. All right, Adam. Well, we're not going to get excited during practices, during training camp. I mean, it's no. nice to watch the team practice. It's good, like, for these type of shows to have these discussions. But we're going to let the results play out on the field. 
But nonetheless, dude, we thank you for joining us tonight. Let our listeners know how they can find you on social media. And, of course, let them know what's coming up and down the pike for the Burgundy and Gold Report. Of course. Again, it's always a pleasure coming on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at the B&G Report. Uh, same with Facebook, uh, the Burgundy and Gold Report. Uh, but our website, we started at the beginning of January, theburgundyandgoldreport.com. As everyone's been following, we've had the draft prospect cards. Uh, the draft's over. Um, but we'll be getting to 2022 draft in due time. Um, but for now, uh, we're gonna, we have a lot more things coming, a lot more cool things on our website to do with our rookies, our undrafted guys, um, interviews that we've had. So again, the burgundyandgoldreport.com. Uh, tonight's show will be up on our podcast section. So yes, come and check us out. Thanks, Adam. No, we appreciate you. All right. Hail DC guys. You know it. Again, make sure you follow Adam on Twitter at the BNG report. And also, uh, check out the website, the burgundy report.com. Okay. Are the surging Washington Wizards the most dangerous team in the East? We'll talk about this after the break. The urban sports scene. What it do? I'm your homie Wole with the urban sports scene, part of Empire Media. And I'm here to tell you about Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing sports gaming platform in North America, while being the third largest daily fantasy sports platform. It's easy to play. Users don't have to spend all day analyzing salary caps and lineups like other daily fantasy sports sites. It also offers all the major sports plus UFC, golf, esports, soccer, college basketball, NASCAR, and much more. Plus, users won't compete against thousands of professionals with algorithms like other daily fantasy sports sites. That crap could be annoying. Monkey Knife Fight has various jackpot contests such as Home Run Derby and Eagle Eye, which is the PGA 2500 jackpot on Thursdays. Sign up now and get your chance to win the bag. Go to www.monkeyknifefight.com. Again, that is www.monkeyknifefight.com. And don't forget to sign up using the code URBAN. Again, that's URBAN. That's U-R-B-A-N, URBAN. Hey, help me make you great. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with myself, Wole. Will T and Ray Jeezy, part of Empire Media. The Washington Wizards are now 30 and 35. They have won 13 of 16 games, including a 154 to 141 win over the Indiana Pacers last night. If the Washington Wizards make it to the actual postseason, because I don't like this playing crap, but they make it to the actual postseason, are they the team? To beat, I mean, I not the team to beat, the team that everybody is scared of. <laughs> I was team to beat. Now I'm going ahead of myself. The team for that every everyone's scared of, and they don't want to play in that first round. Here's the thing, guys. In, in terms of the play-in, which I like, by the way, I think is dope for the league, which is, <sighs> which is struggling with, with viewership right now, by the way. And Russell Westbrook, I also feel as though is good for the Wizards from a national landscape. Mm. Like he's been a subject on every major talk sure. show today. If you guys are paying attention, mm. but I don't think necessarily that they're the most dangerous team because they can easily win a play-in. You're talking about Boston, Charlotte, Indiana. They clearly can beat these teams. They can even beat Miami if it comes to a play-in game against the Heat. However, does Brooklyn, Milwaukee, or Philly? That's it. That's what I'm talking about. Fear the Wizards? I, I highly doubt that. The Wizards are playing excellent basketball, which is great for their confidence. And it really showed, not in the Indiana game, 
but in that Dallas game. I know it was a loss. However, the resiliency they, resiliency they showed being down nearly a dub, coming back and really supposed to close that win out, that showed me against a great player in Luka Doncic that they were ready to take the next step. Like I told you guys last week, and I told people many times before, the schedule does not matter with these Wizards, which makes them dangerous, yes, but do these top teams in the East fear the Wizards? I highly doubt that. I don't think any team in the East uh, fears the Wizards um, per se. You know, I think they'll come into a game plan, you know, into uh, into the um, playing playing series and say, okay, we have to find a way to contain Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill. Uh-huh. If we just allow those two guys to do what they do um, and put put the emphasis on them, you know, guarding them, and we don't. Um, slouch off of the other um, players on the Wizards roster, I think they'll think they'll be, I think every team thinks they'll be fine, right? They know that Westbrook, they know that Bradley Bill, both of those guys are going to get there, right? Mm. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to have Davis Perton get, uh, <laughs> go seven from seven from 11 for three, right? Yeah. You don't want to have um, Rui. You don't want to have Rui score 30 points, right? Mm-hmm. Or 20 points. You don't want to have um, uh, what's the guy who just came over from the Wizards um, comes off the bench, uh, Gafford. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have you don't want to put yourself in a position where Gafford is getting um, rebounds and starting a fast break or the, you know or when they or when you're in the pick and roll blocking and you know the rim runner shot mm-hmm. and getting you know um, um, still an easy points from. So that, those are things you don't want to happen. You know that Bradley Bill, you know that Russell Westbrook, both of those guys are going to get there. It's just that you want to come up with a game plan that uh, minimizes what the other guys on the – or as Shaq calls them, the others contribute yeah. during the game. So yeah, on Twitter, my man uh, Cameron Mingo said, uh, yes, most likely <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets. All right, so – and the Brooklyn's, I think that would be dope too. Um, if the, if the Wizards got into playing the playing game, I mean, won the playing, uh, whatever. If the Wizards get into the playoffs, forget the playing game. I'm over that stuff. They get into the playoffs and they get to play Brooklyn. I think that'd be dope because then you have we're talking about Kevin Durant, James Harden, all these all these individuals who play OKC and then in Westbrook, who are all three arguably could be playing the best ball of the season in that series. You know what I mean? Like I think that would be dope to see, see all three of those dudes hooping in that series and hooping at a high level. But I do think there is something to say that it's all about confidence. You have certain, certain games in the regular season when you match up against the team in the postseason, it does give you confidence to know, you know what, when we play this team, we match up pretty well against them. We've beaten them. You know, most we've won the season series. That does kind of for the wizards, I can say for the wizards, it would give them a lot of confidence playing against Brooklyn where other teams who would probably play Brooklyn and probably been a better who are who have better records wouldn't have the same confidence that the Washington Wizards have playing against a Brooklyn Nets team. To be honest with you, uh, knowing that they've beaten that team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and beating them, you know, and be, and then beating them here in the city. So I think, to be honest with you, I'm not saying the, the Brooklyn would be. If you're Brooklyn, you shouldn't be scared because you got KD, Harden, and and Kyrie. But at the same time, I think if you're the Washington Wizards, if you play that team. You're not. You're really not scared. You have teams lower seeds when they play, say Milwaukee. They playing uh, Philly or they're playing the Nets. You know the Nets. Other other than the Wizards, when they play them, they're already shook. But the Wizards going into a situation where they've beaten this team already in the regular season, they they've lost that. They don't have that 
mentality. They're thinking like, you know what? We can beat you. And we all know in the postseason, if a team believes, a lot can happen. We've seen it. We've seen upsets in the postseason in basketball in the NBA where lower seeds have have won the season series and they've taken that thing to the postseason. Then the same thing. So I'm just saying like that can happen. I I, I want to say even matchups like uh, when you see a team that's not scared, like when Dallas was the one seed in Golden State with Stephen Jackson, Baron Davis. When they saw Dallas, they didn't. They weren't intimidated by Dallas, even though that was the overall one seed. The and had one of the better record, I think, throughout the NBA. May have had the best record in, in, in the league, to be honest with you. Um, they took that team out easy. That, out, that's, and that's because they didn't fear anything. So I just think the Wizards going against the Nets, the dangerous thing about them going against the Nets is that they beat them and they don't have fear. There's well, so much that could be I, I said think, about... Oh, go ahead, though. Uh, no. One thing that we're, we're failing... I think you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself, Wole. Um, because if you look at the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th uh, seeding in the East, you have, yeah. like you said, Boston at 7, mm-hmm. Charlotte at 8, Indiana at 9, yeah. Wizards at 10. Yeah. Um, to me, the Wizards need to at least get into that ninth spot. If they, if they get into that ninth spot against the Charlotte Hornets, that creates a favorable matchup to them, mm-hmm. for, for them, in my opinion. Because if you think about right. how playoff basketball is, um, it comes down to um, having that one or two guys on your team yeah. that offensively can create a bucket, yeah. right? Because once you get into those series, teams are able to kind of hone in on what you're doing offensively and what you're doing defensively. Agreed. But if you have a dynamic uh, player who can create for himself and others off the dribble, and the Wizards have two of those guys in Bill and Westbrook, yeah. you create trouble for um, other playoff teams. You, 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 can tra- you, you create uh, uh, trouble for the for your for your opponent. Yeah, but it, so the, and, and I agree. I, and I, the Wizards have two, but they also they have a, they have a guy, a third guy who can who can do some damage too. And, and Rui, you know what I mean. And that's off post off post play mid range game. So they got guys who can they score like the Wizards score. Like when you score one fifty four or you score over you one of the highest scoring basketball teams in the league. You score. That's not scoring is not the, the Wizards' problem. They can put the ball in the basket. They've done it enough this season. It's always been about defense. That's the only thing to me that's going to hinder them if they made the postseason be their defense. But they're going to score. Like the the way they play, it's like can you outscore them? That's what it is. And if you want to no. look at the teams, if you look at the teams in the bottom, to be honest with you, again we're looking at the stretch because it's all about peaking at the at this particular point in the season. If, if we're going to talk about the playing game and whatnot. They're playing better basketball than any of the teams in the playing game that would be in the playing game. Absolutely. You still have to win those games. And like I said, with the Wizards, it's not always about matchups. It's about consistency. Like you're talking about defense. One game they're defending Luka, they're playing the Mavericks tough in the second half. The next, the next game, even though they won, they still gave up 141 yeah, points to Indiana, which is too high. However, going with all the hypotheticals we discussed, in the event that they get Brooklyn, let's say after they emerge from the playing tournament, mm-hmm. I really believe that it, it will be Bradley Bill's time to elevate himself to superstar status because mm-hmm. you now you put yourself up against a big three, and everybody knows what Russ brings to the table. But there are still a lot of fans questioning Bradley Bill's ability to close. At that Dallas loss, yeah. immediately I got text messages saying he just doesn't have the custody yet. But if you watch the closing of that game, he actually brought the Wizards to that point he just missed that last shot, which means he's growing, and he always gets better. So if I'm Bradley Bill, I'm the one that's really 
see, foaming at the mouth, looking at the chops, wanting to get my hands on the best players or the best team possible, and that is Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, you can argue that Embiid is that is a superstar as well. So I'm thinking he needs to show up in the playoffs and elevate himself to superstar status because right now nobody's even talking about Bill. It's all about Russ. I just mentioned that on the national stage yeah. and here locally. So Bradley Bill, you don't want to be the forgotten man. You also want to get that next contract. Do go out and hoop and elevate yourself to superstar status because I believe he is that guy. I mean, see, the clutch thing is a whole different thing. Either to a certain extent, you... Bradley Bill is all right. To put it this way, to your to, to your argument, Bradley Bill is all, a lot of times has always been a dude that can make baskets. I feel like in the stretch, he's done that. Like he's done that even with John Wall. Even in the postseason, that postseason series where John Wall got hurt, he was doing that too. The issue has never been to me, can he make baskets in the stretch? It's about making the basket. Like he's he's always he's falling short a lot making for the basket. You know what I mean? Like again, we talk about basketball players and how how long has Bill been in the league now? Like four or five years now? Has it been five years? It's longer than that. Longer than that? So usually you that. usually when you think about uh, I think about Bradley this, I, Go ahead. No, I think Bradley Bill is like on year nine, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so like we'll, year eight or nine, if so I'm not mistaken. Around, uh, if it's that long, so around that time, somebody has a you would have being a star, you would have a signature shot, right? Like a signature game winning shot, right? Johnson Brown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I I think he had that, and and I think he closed Golden State. I think he closed that game out. He okay. nobody gave him credit for it because. Again, it's Bradley Bill, and people want to find something the same way they not Ben Simmons for being limited no, from the perimeter. I, no, I so I, I, I'm doing what I'm telling you is honestly, and what I'm telling our listeners is this is going to be his opportunity, this playing tournament, and hopefully the playoffs to show the world that he is that dude. Yeah, definitely going to be an opportunity. I, I think I'm with, I'm with you. I think if he gets that platform, um, it's definitely time to shine because again, you're playing against. You're playing an awesome big three, um, and you like you like you said, you know, Russ is bringing attention too. So this is the opportunity to put all the put all the eyes on Bradley Bill and to, for him to get the notoriety is like you said, ready to be a superstar. Uh, but um, boxing expert Johnny Signorella will join us to talk about Andy Ruiz defeating Chris Ariola Saturday night and this Saturday's big fight between Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports saying for ages, you dig deuces. Listening to the urban sports scene with Ray Jeezy, Will T, and myself, Wole. Right now, we have boxing expert Johnny Signorella on the line. What is going on, Johnny? Hey, fellas. Great to talk to you, man. All is well. I hope you guys are well, you and your family, and all yours, and your whole company, and everything that you're doing over there. Uh, 
most importantly, how are you guys? I'm doing good. Doing it was really good, man. Here. I just got my, you know, last week I got my second shot of Moderna. Um, you know, side effects. I won't talk about those. <laughs> but um, I'm recovered, <laughs> and I'm good to go, man. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. That's all I want to hear is that you're good to go. <laughs> and uh, boxing, certainly lately, I mean, it's kind of good to go. But uh, we're going to unpack a couple things here. What do you guys want to start with today? Will T, you want to start it? You want to start it off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Saturday. No, nah, be quiet. Uh, <laughs> Saturday on pay per view. <laughs> Saturday on pay per view, there was a high action fight between Andy Ruiz as he defeated Chris Ariola by unanimous decision. What were your thoughts on the fight? I thought it was a very good heavyweight fight. I knew it was going to be very competitive going in. You know, you got two great warriors. Um, not the best, you know, in shape warriors in boxing that there is. And, you know, it's like sacks. But, uh, you know, Ariola put himself in proper, you know, conditioning at his age. And I think that the age, you know, kind of like hurt Ariola down the stretch of the fight because, mm-hmm. you know, we saw Andy Ruiz get dropped early on. And the thing about that droppage was that Ariola couldn't continue is because eventually, you know, you get older. You know, he took a lot of weight off, Ariola did. You're going to fatigue. And I think that that was the game changer, not to take anything out of Ruiz. Ruiz is very fast. Mm-hmm. He throws his hands very quick. He's got power punches. There's a reason why he put Ariola in check, not only because Ariola is older and he got fatigued, is because Ruiz is that good. I thought it was an excellent fight. Um, I credit both guys. Uh, Ruiz, he still has work to do, man. Yeah. You know, he's got a lot of work to do. So the, what are you guys thoughts? No, I thought like, to be honest with you, the, the, it tripped me out that he punched him on the shoulder and all of a sudden his shoulder was like acting up. I ain't, I've never seen that in a boxing fight. Like I, I've seen, a, I've seen people, you know, go down, you know, obviously from like really at pressure point. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised many boxers don't use that as much as they should, because, you know, you could hit like vital organs, like the liver obviously mm-hmm. is a big shot that everyone knows about. But, you know, you could go to the throat. You could hit the, the heart if you want to. You could hit some funny bones. You could hit the elbows. You could, you know, bust up shoulders. Like, if you look at fighters like Mayweather and, um, you know, guys like uh, James Tony, it's like every time I watch the fight against those guys, you know, with, a like, say, for example, Evander Holyfield against James Tony, I'm like, don't punch for the head. Just hit the – just hit something, you know. And uh, it's a pressure point. It will negate the uh, the opponent's activity to throw out confidently. And I think that that's a great point you made, brother, is that Ariola had some significant difficulty when he got hit and you saw his shoulder kind of roll out mm-hmm. or got damaged by that pressure point. Johnny, man, I love when you come on. First of all, you are one of the rare guests that's on time, brother. So thank you for that. Just I want to throw that out there real quick. <laughs> but in, in, in terms of... Ruiz and his future. We saw King Kong Ortiz was there in the tennis. Now, for, for boxing purists, that would be a great fight. King Kong is is an awesome fighter who was beating Deontay Wilder before, you know, catcher. He, he caught that home run shot twice. So we know that him and, and Andy Ruiz, we know that him and Andy Ruiz would probably, from a just a pure boxing standpoint, would be great. But for me, as a boxing fan, I'm not necessarily a boxing purist, but I do love the sport. I would like to see Ruiz challenge Wilder. I think that's the next fight to make. 
what do you see coming down the pike for Andrew Ruiz, bro? Yes, sir. I agree with you 110%. I want Ruiz versus Wilder. I think yes, that's the better fight. I love myself some King Kong. Trust me, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Luis Ortiz is a dangerous guy. Like, you know, even though he might be like 157 years old, we have no <laughs> idea what his age is. <laughs> facts, fellas. You know, like, we have no idea. But at the, at, at the end of the day, I think that Styles makes fights. And something about Ruiz and Wilder is very intriguing to a lot of people. Yeah. What what do I think we get next? I have no clue. I mean, it's a crazy world we live in. Like we're we were talking about, like you know, kind of segueing into like the Canelo, you know, Saunders fight. It's like I wake up today and then everything's all over the place. Is the fight on? Is it off? Uh, how many you know feet are going to be in the ring? You know, is it going to be a twenty foot ring? Is it going to be a twenty two or eighteen? I'm like, man, what is going on over here? But uh, we we never know the world we live in. But in a perfect world, I think that the best fights at heavyweight are going to be um, Tyson Fury versus Joshua and Ruiz versus Wilder. And I think that we honestly get a good account of like really when the smoke, you know, when the dust clears, uh, who who is the best in the world at heavyweight? All right, you are listening to the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. Right now we're right now we have boxing expert Johnny Cigarella on the line. So so uh, Johnny, you know, so you mentioned you mentioned the big middle middleweight fight. Uh, so W WBA and WBC middleweight champ uh, Canelo Alvarez takes on WBO middleweight champ Billy Joe Saunders. Um, how do you see this fight? Super playing middleweight. Out? Super middleweight. Thank Will T. Thank you. Super middleweight. How do you see this fight mm-hmm. playing out? Well, you know, if, if we do get the fight, which I think we will, because Saunders, I think, is jockeying for position because, you know, Canelo wanted to, like, you know, uh, make the ring uh, a little bit uh, smaller so he has the advantage to, you know, power punch, counter punch like he does, and Saunders is a boxer. So, I mean, aside from the politics of boxing, what I really think is the key to this fight um, is that Canelo just bees Canelo, you know, uh and understands how to engage his opponent uh, in Saunders. Saunders is not a guy that likes to engage too much, and Saunders likes to use a ring. So that could bring complications to Canelo. Now, Canelo had uh, problems with Israel Alar, obviously Floyd Mayweather, but he's learned from those fights, and he's gotten way better at cutting the ring off. And he's also fought at so many different weight classes and seen so many different looks and styles. And, I mean, if you look at Saunders' resume, Saunders, like, he's a good fighter, and anyone that gets in a ring, mad respect and props. Mm. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, you beat David Lemieux, congratulations. A lot of people did as well. You know, like, no disrespect to David. But I, I just think that Canelo has the craft, the confidence, and the punching ability um, to just move on to the next one. I mean, mm. you know, for Billy Joe, like, I, I give him props. You know, he's been active a long time. He's unbeaten, which a lot of people, like, you know, overlooked that, you know, he is unbeaten. So I got to give him that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) how good can you fare against Canelo, who is probably arguably top five, at least pound for pound in the world. Arguably. Can we, can we not put him at one? I mean, the resume. (laughs) That's where I was going. You look at the, you know, the tail of the tape of opponents. It's like, 
man, Canelo is like, you know, just about everyone out there, every looks of styles. And I, I don't think Canelo is the same guy he was when he had, you know, some adversity in former opponents that I just uh, mm-hmm. aforementioned. But the thing is, like, you know, now he's just more mature. Like, he's, just, he's really grown into it. I, I think he's a consummate professional. And I, I don't really see Saunders doing anything here aside from maybe like if he tries to outbox him. But then again, you're fighting on a Canelo card. Mm. So where are the judges going to go with that? Again, not to be controversial, but I mean, all, all the, the chips uh, are stacked up for uh, Canelo to, uh, to win. All right, Johnny. So I don't know if you're paying attention, but it's now becoming a circus. Billy Joe's camp uh, approached Canelo earlier. They want a bigger ring size. Billy Joe Saunders did not show up for media availability and to, to begin promoting this fight. What do you think about this controversy about the ring size? Canelo is saying that it's not changing and he needs to show up and fight on Saturday. Will that make a difference? And does that benefit one fighter or the other? I love this question, and I definitely thought about it quite a bit today, is that you know when you make a contract, and I'm no professional in regards to like knowing how to like negotiate contracts, but you know, you agree on glove size, you agree on the ring, you agree on weight and stuff like that. Five days out from a fight, like all of a sudden you're going to change like the the whole geography of the ring, you know, and and make everything much smaller. It's like, that's kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I agree with Saunders and kind of being like, you know, Hey, uh, that's not cool. I think he's jockeying for position in Saunders to like negotiate for extra money. Like think about this guy. Like when a fighter comes in overweight for a fight, right. Mm-hmm. And the other opponent has an opportunity that made weight to say, you know, yeah, you're an a. Yeah. And then guess what happens? Like they can negotiate for money, like, you know, different purse, like give me an extra 500,000 or whatever it is. I think in this case, Billy Joe Saunders in, and I don't really like him to be honest with you as a person of what I've seen him do on social media and stuff like that as a prankster. I do respect him as a boxer. It's a different thing in the ring, outside the ring, different. But at the end of the day, I, I am, uh, pro, uh, team Saunders here and saying like, Hey man, you know what? You're going to change things. I'll be willing to adapt. Give me some money. I think what's going to happen, fellas, I know it was originally 22 feet, and then Canelo won at 18. I think they meet halfway at 20, you know, negotiated. And then what happens is that Billy Joe Saunders gets a little extra, you know, uh, cushion on his on trade check. And, and, Johnny, real quick, bro, what is wrong with Billy Joe Saunders? He's complaining about Eddie Hearn who right now is the hottest promoter in boxing. He's saying that this whole promotion is favorite Canelo. It's like, dude, he got you a fight with the biggest star in boxing. Like, just go out and let your hands do the talking. I don't understand if I don't understand his, his reasoning. And do you see him getting a big fight in the future after all of these theatrics? He's a big to deal with a big to do, you know, uh, outside of the ring, like I said, and then, Plus, that's a great question again, brother, and I appreciate that question, is the thing is, like, you know, he's just got to show up and, and take one thing at a time and go in there, you know, one fight at a time. Like, he's got a big opportunity. I mean, come on, fellas. I mean, we both get in there, all of us, all three of us, you know what I'm saying, one at a time to get in there with Canelo for a nice, hefty payday, you know. 
And of course, that, yeah, boy, yeah, yeah, I'll take course. a dive. I'll take a dive. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll go with Trump, but I'll get in. You know, I'm saying, but I'll be smart enough to get out. That's no, cool. Is it a contract for me to get my money at one, round one? I'll take a dive. I'm good. <laughs> hey, it'll be, it'll be on Triller. I'll be Ben Askren. I'll, I'll be Ben Askren for a day, baby, and, and with Triller and <laughs> get my money and go. <laughs> you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. I mean, you know, he, he's got a Saunders actually has to look, you know, the part uh, of some sort, save face, like look responsible. Uh, still have, you know, he's got to be meaningful at, uh, at 168. I mean, that's a great weight class. We know the total is there. And we also know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of other fighters there like Andre and, you know, like there's, there's great fights to be, uh, made notice. I didn't mention triple G. I will right now because yeah. I don't know. It's like, again, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. You know, but, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's interesting weight class. It's more interesting in my opinion is if Canelo goes back to 175. Because you got like guys like Evil there, and you know it's a it's a much harder weight class. And Canelo actually fought there, so you know uh, we'll see what we get. Because I I, I can't see this getting because of the, like network divide and, and all the politics of boxing is like to get it, you know, with the Charlo or you know with the Andre. It, it's like the zone Fox. Like there's so much network divide. So you know we'll see what happens, fellas. But uh. At least when we're talking boxing, and I think at the end of the day, the fight does happen on Saturday on the zone. Uh, you know, Canelo and Saunders. Uh, I just think that Saunders is trying to just get some uh, extra, little extra coin and cushion on it. <laughs> Johnny, I don't blame him. Johnny, you just, Johnny, you just made reference to uh, the multiple networks that host boxing um, cards. <clears throat> one of the one of the um, I guess platforms or networks, for lack of a better word, that you didn't mention was Thriller. Was Triller? Um, is that it? Um, I forgot. I forgot the <laughs> Thriller. You yeah, got it, bro. Thriller. Thriller. Yeah. Um, with the T, you know, Thriller up to this point is is kind of known for hosting cards where people pay attention to everything except the main events, right? Um, with the big call fight. Um, and t- now they're actually going to host. Now they're going to host a a a championship fight with Tiafimo Lopez. How do you think this uh, plays out for Tiafimo going forward and for Triller um, going forward with hosting championship fights on their platform? I'm so glad you brought this up because I was actually going to bring it up. Word I can't say on the air right now. <laughs> it's just the most relaxing and craziest thing you'll ever see. I'm like, I love this. You know, and a lot of old school, like, diehards are like, nah, this ain't good for the sport. I'm like, this is amazing for the sport. I'm having a blast. The fights could be terrible. <laughs> but you got snooping out there. Like, again, I can't use these words on the radio. But, you know, you say this thing, if you've seen the trailer, guys, like, it's phenomenal. I think Snoop Dogg is the best uh, sportscaster in all sports. Oh, I'm God. putting that on record. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm putting that on record, man. Oh, God. Hey, hey, Johnny. Yeah. (laughs) Your man, Dana Dana White, calls Triller a freak show. He don't even address it by name. He hates talking about Jake Paul. That's your boy, Dana White, UFC. That's your thing, bro. And Al Heyman, look at what he just did. 
he's trying to eliminate Triller the same day as Tiafimo Lopez's fight. You got Floyd Mayweather fighting who? Logan Paul. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On Showtime. On Showtime pay-per-view. And you know what the thing is? Oh, they God. see it as a threat because, dude, like, people are watching this with me that are not even, like, super boxing fans. Mm-hmm. But they're like, the Triller card? They're like, this is incredible. Now there's a lot of, like, dance acts and things like that. But it's entertainment. It's just fun. Now, to go back to Teofimo Lopez, um, Teofimo is going to be Teofimo. Uh, it's going to be a good card. Evander Holyfield's on the co-feature. Uh, my man, you know, like yeah. uh, still going. We'll, we'll see where that goes. But as far as like the whole thing with, um, you know, with Tiafimo is, is that I just think he's he's got he's got the it factor, man. Like mm-hmm. we've seen it time and time again. Uh, th- this guy is just uh, super impressive and uh, an amazing fighter. But you mentioned uh, you guys mentioned Mayweather and Paul. Like, that's on pay-per-view on Showtime. That's a major distribution, mm. you know. Not to say Thriller isn't, or Thriller, rather, isn't. But it's like, that's amazing. People come up to me, they're like, you think Logan has a, or Jake, or whatever their name is? <laughs> that, yeah, does he have a chance? I'm like, are you nuts? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how much did you smoke with Snoop? <laughs> Nah, De La Hoya like, did, though. <laughs> I oh, that dude, De La Hoya. De- <laughs> Let's talk about De La Hoya. Remember that? He was like, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> but I loved every second of it. Oh, I loved every second of it. Oh, this is and he-, he was talking about, like, hitting, like, weed and smoking. Like, I just smoked some Snoop stuff. And- <laughs> That's cool, baby. I'm like, wow. Like, what is happening? See what y'all did. I mean, that's the Chill, best man. thing to come out of the past couple of years, I think, in my opinion. Oh, my God. Chilling, man. This is what we talk about. Oh, my God. Absolutely, Oh, my God. We're about to wrap this show. Hey, John, thanks for being on this show, my man. Hey, let our listeners know how they can catch you on social media. And, tell, and let our listeners know what you got going on, my man. <laughs> absolutely i appreciate you guys having me on and thanks for the last one this was a blast uh you can follow me on twitter at boxing music john uh you know johnny sig on you know facebook and uh you know twitter and all that kind of good stuff and other stuff i have coming up i mean hey we just keep rolling out the show with uh you know boxers mm-hmm. and athletes musicians mm-hmm. and just great people like yourself and i gotta have you guys on man because uh you can go uncensored on mine, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna go crazy. <laughs> oh, anytime, John. You let you let us know. All right, let us know. <laughs> Absolutely, I appreciate it, fellas. I appreciate Great it, John. Times. All right, Great take times. care. Appreciate you, thanks, brother. All right, yes, yeah. sir. And make sure you make sure you follow Johnny on Twitter. It's at Boxing Music John. Again, that is at Boxing Music John. Hey, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Tune in iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also check out the Urban Sports Scene at Empire Media at EmpireMedia.com. All right, man. Again, we appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, great show. Johnny, my man, Adam. Appreciate everybody. You've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene. The agent. Yeah, dig. Deuces. Hey, Mega, this out, big homie.